Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Amen. Well, that's pretty fun and exciting, isn't it? Hello, there I am. Tennessee was amazing. If you didn't make this trip, go on the next one. There will be a trip to Japan coming up uh, later this fall. So that's an opportunity to go far. We'll probably return to Mexico at some point, to Tennessee at some point. Those are a little nearer. But wherever you can, go on a trip. Go do the mission right here on the property at your church, in your neighborhood, at Jesus Loves Kalamazoo this Thursday night, at the grocery store, wherever. Jesus has called us to go. Has anybody ever read Matthew 28? the very end, go into all the world and preach the good news. That's what he's called us to do. Oh, man. So what did it take for us to see that growth? Shout out, what do you think? What did it take? Practice, that's true. Some courage. What did did you say over here? Faith. One step. Trust, yeah. A commitment to just go for it, right? Like we did actually practice is a really good one because you go to that first door and you're like totally flipped out, (laughs) you know, especially if you haven't done this a lot, you're a little flipped out, you're a little scared, but then you start doing it and you get a little more comfortable. Same has been true for me back on the trail. You know, the first time I walked it and met a neighbor, I'm like, well, what exactly am I going to say? You know, do I start with, you know, just welcoming them, telling them about the project. Oh my gosh, you guys. This trail project has been the easiest way I've ever found to share the good news about Jesus with people. It's such an open door and such an easy way. Let me tell you what I tell people. I've practiced this. (laughs) I say, hey, you know what we're doing back here with this trail project? I tell them a little bit about the project, ask if they heard about it, share my name, you know, ask them what their name is. But I go, you know, our Christian faith at this church says that salvation's a free gift through Jesus. And so we're offering these trails as a free gift to the neighborhood because it's a reflection of our faith. And there's no strings attached. You can walk the trail anytime, but if you need a church, you're welcome here Sundays at 10 o'clock. Doesn't that sound easy? Can you tell I've practiced? It's kind of smooth now, right? It wasn't that smooth the first time I did it. So practice sharing the good news. If you're a Christian, you have the key to eternal life. Share the good news with somebody. Practice it. But the other thing it takes is that like commitment to get over the hump, right? Like it's easy right now. You see the excitement of Kathy or you hear Diane's testimony or I challenge you to get out there and do it. And you're like, all right. But then if you don't act, the feelings taper off and you just go back to normal life. But you have to just commit to go on a mission trip, to sign up and get out on the trail, to say in your morning prayer time, God, today I'm going to talk to somebody about you and start small and let it grow and just keep on making that commitment. Do it, guys. This is the call. I feel the Lord is on this. It's one of our key focus points for our church this year. So I'm spending so much time on it before I actually preach the message that I've got planned today. Outreach is a focus. Sharing the good news, it's so important. It's probably the most important thing there is once you become a Christian. If you're not a Christian, the most important thing is that you hear the good news. Jesus loves you. 
and he welcomes you into his kingdom. He loves you. Accept him as Lord and Savior today. Okay, <laughs> so are you ready for the message this morning? All right. It's called, the series is called Consider the Outcome. What we're doing is looking into the Bible at accounts of real people who have been followers of God and we're learning from their victories. We're being cautioned by their failures and we're evaluating their approach to life with God. Hebrews 13 says, consider the outcome of their way of life. So that's why we named this series what it is. The first week of the series, Pastor Cameron started with talking about God, our father, because the Bible tells his story first and foremost. Everyone else's story in the Bible that we look at all summer long is told in relation to him. And so that's why we started there. It was also Father's Day, which was just a real nice fit, wasn't it? I loved that. God, our father. Then Peter continued the series talking about Jacob. And we learned from the story of Jacob that God is faithful to his promises and that people who encounter God are changed. And so today we're going to continue the series by considering the outcome of the way of life of Daniel and his three friends. They faced exile, oppression, and intense persecution for their faith, but they're shining examples of godly qualities like devotion, courage, and faithfulness. So our job this morning, your job this morning, is to consider their way of life, their relationship with God and one another, but then think about how to incorporate their good example into your life and make a change in your life. So um, we looked at Daniel and his friends in June of 2020, once before. And I'm going to use the same six fantastic Fs as a mnemonic to help you remember their story. Um, it had a lot to say to us right then in June 2020. Some stuff was going on in the world. But I think it has a lot to say to us in 2023 as well. There's some lingering effects <laughs> from what happened to us in 2020. There's some different things going on in the culture and the world around us. Our lives have all shifted a little bit in three years. So let's look afresh at Daniel and the life of his friends and see what it has to say to us today. I've also taken the opportunity to revise some of my perspectives on it. So I'm excited to share it with you this morning. Are you ready for a flyover? Do you know what a flyover is? Like if anybody watches golf on Sundays after church, sometimes when they talk about the golf course, they do this like, I don't know if they use drones or computer animation or what they do, but they like do a flyover of the hole and tell you all about it, where the bunkers are and what's going on. So I thought we need to just sort of do a flyover of Daniel in exile. So I've got this cute little timeline I built. In the year 605 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieges Jerusalem, the capital city where David lives, where the temple of God is. And he takes some of the best and brightest of the nation uh, captive back to Babylon. He steals the treasures from the temple of God and he would actually return twice more to do more of the same and eventually destroys the temple of God in 586 BC. Daniel and his three friends, along with some others who are taken captive, go into a training and indoctrination program. Doesn't that sound fun and exciting? <laughs> Foreign indoctrination by an oppressor king. So the plan is that those who excel in this training and indoctrination program, Nebuchadnezzar will put in charge um, of different parts of his government, of his kingdom. There'll be advisors to him as king. 
during that time, Nebuchadnezzar has this crazy dream and he decides, you know what I'm going to do? My advisors are a little shady and I don't totally trust them. So they need to tell me what I dreamed and give me an its interpretation. And if they can't do it, I'll just kill them all. <laughs> nice guy, right? So uh, at that point, Daniel and his friends are some of those advisors who are going to get if they don't figure out the dream. So they're like, hey, let's pray and plead to God for mercy and ask God to give us the dream and the interpretation. They get it. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, they're not killed. They tell Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream, which is really um, a prophetic look at what's going to happen with future kingdoms. And eventually the kingdom of God comes, crushes manly kingdoms, and expands and fills the whole earth. Jesus is coming. So um, through that experience, Nebuchadnezzar gives glory to God and a lot of favor to Daniel and his buddies. And then a bunch of time passes. Daniel and his friends do their thing. And then Nebuchadnezzar comes up with another brilliant idea. I'm going to make a statue and I'm going to have everyone who's there bow down and worship my statue. It's going to be awesome. And anyone who doesn't, we'll throw them in a fiery furnace. So Daniel's three friends, their Babylonian names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's how they're best known by us today. Although they had Hebrew names too, um, they say, we're not going to bow. And he says, well, then you're going to burn. And he throws them in the furnace. And what happens? Shout it out if you know it. Nothing. <laughs> That's not the exciting way to say it. There's another in the fire. Who can sing it? Who can sing it? There's another in the fire. There's these three guys who are bound up and thrown in. The ropes are burned off, but their clothes and their hair is not singed. And there's a fourth person in the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, whoa, there's another in the fire. What's going on? And he gives glory to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and they're not killed, which is sweet too. Then Nebuchadnezzar has a second dream. This one's crazy too. About a tree and it's cut off. And blah, 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 blah. And Daniel gets the interpretation of that one as well. That was my fast version of the dream. Blah, blah, blah. We're doing a flyover. We're doing a flyover. <laughs> Daniel says, oh, king, I wish this dream weren't about you, but it is. God is going to humble your stubborn pride. You think you rule the world and you do, but it's because God is sovereign and he's allowed it. If you don't humble yourself, he's going to humble you. You're going to Grow a long beard and long fingernails. You're going to be covered with the dew of heaven until you humble yourself before God. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't heed the warning that happens to him, but eventually he does humble himself. He's restored. And he gives glory to God. You see a pattern here. <laughs> Foreign kings hearing about God and giving him glory through miraculous circumstances. A ton of time passes again. A new king reigns called Belshazzar. And he's partying with his buddies, drinking from the golden goblets from the temple of God, but worshiping the gods of gold and silver, who are not gods at all, I'd say. And her hand writes on the wall, you've been counted and weighed and your kingdom's about to be divided. He's dead. He doesn't heed the warning that Daniel gives him. He's dead. He's gone. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't heed the warning to humble himself. So God humbles him and hands over the kingdom to a guy named Darius, who thinks Daniel's pretty great, elevates him really highly in his kingdom. But some guys are jealous, as happens when God favors someone and raises up a faithful person. Sometimes people get jealous and mad and want to bring them down. So they hatch a plan to 
say, get the king to do an irrevocable decree that anyone who prays to anyone but the king will be thrown in the lion's den. Well, Daniel prays anyway, he's thrown in the lion's den. And what happens? Nothing. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. You started a trend. Nothing. <laughs> the story of the day is nothing. Yeah, nothing happens. He's not eaten. But in the morning when the king checks on him and pulls him out, he throws in the people who are jealous and hatch this plan. And what happens to them? Something. They're mauled by the lions and killed. What'd you say? Snacks. They become lion snacks. Delicious. So all of that stuff happens over about 66 years. That's a long time to be in exile. There's our flyover. Why did all of this happen to God's people if they were God's people? That's a question. Let's hit it real quick before we jump in. Um, They're watching a disintegration of God's promises and purpose. Remember that whole like exodus from Egypt, freed from slavery, taken to the promised land and settled in it. Now it's all being undone. Why? Because God's people were unfaithful for many years. If you're doing the Bible in one year reading plan with us this year, you've been reading about these unfaithful kings again and again. It's like, it's like a, a broken record. King after king leads the people in worshiping other gods, not the true God who brought them out of Egypt and established this kingdom and this people in this land in the first place. Also in our reading this week with Psalm 81, God says this, my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. It's a really good description of what happens when people reject God. You know, there's this misconception in the world that God's waiting up there to smite and he's all angry. It's not actually what happens. Instead, when people reject him long enough, eventually... He lifts his hand of protection and he lets the natural consequences of their decisions play out. In this case, it's Nebuchadnezzar. And it's an undoing of the Lord's miraculous deliverance from Egypt. They go back into slavery, into captivity. It's unraveling of the Exodus 2 and the taking of the promised land. So, <clears throat> that's the flyover in the context. But what we're going to do today is look at aspects of the life of Daniel and his friends that we can use as examples for how to live our lives following God. We're going to use six fantastic F's to do that because it helps us remember it. So consider the outcome. Four friends who are faithful followers, firmly stand, fervently pray, and find favor in a foreign land. It's a lot of good F's, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> Eli said, that's nine, not six. Well, there's six um, categories, but I threw in a couple of bonus Fs just for you, Eli. Thank you for noticing. Nothing gets by my nephew. <laughs> All right. Four friends. I found four hallmarks of the friendship between Daniel and his friends. Okay. These are the four. They encourage devotion to God with one another. They spur one another on to excellence. They pray together and they look out for each other. So when they're enrolled in this training program in Babylon, their job is to learn the literature and the language and be groomed for service in the government. And one of the things that happens in the training program is these guys are supposed to become the best of the best. And so they're served the best food, the food from the king's table. 
But for these Hebrews, it would be defiling for them to eat this food. And so what they do is they get together, they go to the guy managing their food and training and say, hey, we don't want to eat this food. Can we just eat vegetables and just drink water instead of the food, the king's food and wine? And he's like, the king will have my head if you're looking scrawny. They're like, how about just a 10-day trial period? How's that sound? All right, we'll try it out. They look great after 10 days, and so they get to go through the entire program, eating veggies, drinking water, and maintaining their devotion to God. So they encouraged devotion in one another. Amazing. They spur one another on toward excellence. It says at the end of the program, they graduate at the top of their class. And not just the top of their class, but 10 times better than everybody else is what it says in the book of Daniel. Just like me, if I do say so myself. Just kidding. (laughs) So what were these guys doing during their training program? They were studying the language and the literature. Can you just see them up late at night, munching on veggies, drinking water, and studying together, pulling all-nighters so that they could become the best and the brightest. They spurred one another on toward excellence. Okay, they pray together, right? Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He's going to kill them. They're like, oh my gosh, we need to pray. And so they do. They pray together all night if that's what it takes, because that's all we got. And they get the interpretation of the dream. And then they look out for each other. Daniel's the one who gets the interpretation personally, personally delivers it to King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, wow, I didn't think anybody was going to be able to do this. Let me give you a really high position in my government here. And he says, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, how about my three friends? They prayed with me too. Can they have a spot? And so he's looking out for his buddies. All right, so after we look at these six slash nine fantastic Fs, after each one, we're going to pause and reflect. And I've got some questions for you. So when it comes to friendships, do your friends encourage you to be devoted to God? Do your friends spur you on toward excellence? Do your friends pray with you and for you? Do your friends look out for each other and look out for you? And then take all of those and flip the coin over. And are you a good friend to others? Do you do those things as you're a friend to others? Consider the outcome of the friendships in the book of Daniel. We learn here that God's people sometimes suffer difficult situations like exile but he often provides people to help us through it. And he expects us to help our friends endure hardships too. Four friends who are faithful followers. That's the next step. One of the most striking things to me about Daniel is his faithfulness. Like I said, 66 years in exile approximately. That's a long time. He serves under several different kings and kingdoms. And no matter the year, the king, the trials, the challenges, we find the same old Daniel time and time again as the the events of his life rise. He's devoted. He's serving humbly. He's unchanged by the pressures of the culture around him. And he's unwavering over the passage of time. There's so many years between Daniel's big moments, you guys. The timeline, that's the point of that timeline I put on the slide earlier. You know? There's these big moments, and if you just flip through the Bible, it's like just a few paragraphs later, you know? But it's many, many years in between those things. And so 
I think the fact that Daniel is ready when his number is called is a testament to his faithfulness in those long periods of time between. He's ready when the moment comes. So let's ask some questions of you. Is your faithfulness standing the test of time? Will you be ready for the next big thing, even if it doesn't come for many years? Or will you drift away? Will you be lulled to sleep? Will you conform to culture? That one was worth pausing and thinking about. Take a drink, wasn't it? Will you drift away? Will you be lulled to sleep by your wealth and prosperity? Will you conform to the pressures of the culture around you? Daniel didn't. And it's to the glory of God that he didn't. We learn here that God's people sometimes have to endure for a very long time. But God is faithful. He's present. And he gives favor to those who are faithfully devoted to him. Okay, ready? Four friends who are faithful followers firmly stand. There's three big stands taken in the book of Daniel. Three big stands where these guys have to decide whether they're going to take a stand for their faith and for God or bow to persecution and pressure. The first is the defiled food. We talked about it already. But I want to draw out an interesting thing here. When they decide to take this stand, they don't actually make a big fuss about it. This one's kind of unique. And I think really appropriate for us to consider today in our day and age of social media. They don't make a big fuss when they take their stand. And they just graciously go to the person in charge of the food and say, hey, can we try this out? It's really important to us to eat only the vegetables. Can we try it out? We'll prove to you that it's good. And then they go on. It's, it's a semi-secret stand for their own personal devotion. Not every stand you take has to be public, published, or pronounced to the world. We, we need to hear that today, right? <laughs> People make a career out of doing that, don't they? They literally are making, some of the people you follow on social media or watch on YouTube are making their living off of taking a stand that's flamboyant, you know, of being constantly outraged. But the example we see in Daniel and his friends is a private stand for devotion to God, not to make a big splash or get famous. The second stand is very public because Nebuchadnezzar brings the three guys and everyone out and says, bow or die. Um, So this one's not private, but I wonder, are they able to take this public intense stand against facing death because they practiced in private already? And if our number's called to take a stand in public for God, will we have practiced in private and be ready for it? Let's just spend a quick moment on some of the things that are said in this whole fiery furnace thing, because it's so cool. Nebuchadnezzar is about to throw them in, and he's like challenging them. He's like, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Look at the furnace. Look at my guards. You're tied up. You're about to get thrown in. 
what God could save you. It's like, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I'm going to throw you in the fire, right? And what do they say when they take their stand? The God we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he does not, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Okay, that's how you take a stand when under persecution, when facing death. Hey, God can save me, but even if he doesn't, I'm staying devoted to him. Throw me in. Here we go. Wow. How foreign is that to people like us in the United States in 2023? But who knows, our day might come. And what's the result of this stand? A foreign pagan king gives glory to God. In chapter 3, verse 28 of the book of Daniel, he says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. God's glory is shown to a king, and he proclaims it to all. Awesome. That's what taking a stand is meant to do. Not make us famous, but make God famous. Stand number three is the lion's den. This is Daniel on his own now, many, many, many years later. He's been in exile for like 40 years or something. Or I think it's 40 years since the last time he interpreted a dream, as far as we know, for a previous king. He's high in the government of Darius. These other guys are jealous. They hatch their plan. And their plan revolves around the fact that they know Daniel is a guy devoted to his God and to prayer. They know there's no other way they're going to trip him up. And when Daniel hears about the decree, it says, you're going to be fed to the lions if you pray. Here's what it says. When Daniel learned the decree had been published, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Wow. <laughs> we could spend some time on that, but we'll, we'll keep going. Daniel takes a stand. He's saved from the lion's den. And now another pagan king gives glory to God and tells everyone about it. Darius writes, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. It continues, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Foreign kings, because Daniel took a stand. So cool. All right, questions for you. Will you take a stand in the private things for your personal devotion to God? Will you take a stand in public? Will pressure make you bow to the gods of this culture? Will persecution prevent you from worshiping God? We learn in this F that God's people face persecution and sometimes even death for him. But God also uses such situations to draw his enemies into relationship with himself. Sometimes entire nations hear the good news of God through the courage of his saints to take a stand. Four friends who are faithful followers firmly stand and fervently pray. Daniel is such a man of prayer. We've said it, but we'll say it again because it's so true. He's a man of prayer. When he's faced with death, him and his friends pray. Later in chapter 9, one of his prayers is personally answered by a visitation from an angel. His prayers are powerful. And he prays three times a day as a daily practice. 
questions for you. Is there power in your prayer life? Is your first instinct when you're in trouble to pray, to start trying to solve the problem or ask somebody else for help? Or do you go to God in prayer first and foremost? Do you have a regular daily practice of prayer? God hears the prayers of his people. Prayer is powerful and God responds when faithful people pray. All right, I'm going to say a bunch of F's again. This is why it's so memorable. Repetition. Four friends. You can join me if you want. Four friends who are faithful followers, firmly stand, fervently pray, and find favor. Find favor. These guys graduate at the top of their class, 10 times better than everybody else. They're given powerful government positions. And Daniel keeps finding these open doors of opportunity with commanders and kings. It's amazing. But I want to ask you, do you think that God's favor is like a magic wand and he either waves it over your head or he doesn't? Is that the way it works? I want to acknowledge that God's miraculous favor does come to certain people at certain times for certain purposes. There's certainly some of that going on in the life of Daniel. But if we look closely at Daniel's life to consider the outcome of his ways, we see a guy who participates and partners with God, a guy who gives his all toward the work he's been assigned, right? Him and his friends studying to become the best and the brightest in their training program. Then his service in government, he's diligent. Check this out. The guys who were trying to trap him with the lion's den, They're talking to each other and they're trying to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, how he handles his business, but they're unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So Daniel is diligent. He's a humble servant. He's full of integrity. And I think because of that, he's able to contain the favor of the Lord so much more, right? He's a special guy at a special time in a special place with a special job, but it's not just a magic wand. He worked at it and we need to as well. He's also chomping at the bit to use his favor to give glory to God, isn't he? If you read through the book of Daniel, which I encourage you to do this week and think about the stuff I'm saying, every chance he gets open door with the king. He's like, hey, I can't interpret a dream, but God in heaven can. My God, who's the God of all gods, can interpret your dream. So here it is. I'll give it to you. So when he gets the chance, he doesn't use his favor for his own fame, but for God's. Let me ask you some questions. Are you sitting around waiting for God to wave his magic wand over you before you start living your life? Are you partnering with God where you're currently planted? To do the job he's called you to do right now, in this place, in this time. Are you diligent? And are you humbly serving? Do you use moments of favor to glorify God? Or do you use it to get ahead? We learn here that God gives favor and opportunity, but it seems to go hand in hand with a diligent, faithful human partner. His partners benefit from his favor but the favor should ultimately be used for the mission to which we are called. All right, with that, we're on to our, our last F. 
or friends who are faithful followers, firmly stand, fervently pray, and find favor in a foreign land. These guys were in exile, right? Not where they wanted to be, not who they wanted to work for, but they don't complain that it's not fair. They don't chuck their faith and indulge. They don't fall in line with the culture around them. They live as exiles, foreigners, and aliens in Babylon. They serve their foreign kings, but they maintain their devotion to God. They keep their God-given identity. They don't fall victim to disappointment, doubt, or discouragement. I bet they felt all those things at some point, don't you? But they didn't let those define their path forward. They made their peace with God about where they were at and what was going on, their circumstances. And they found God's purpose in it for them. Questions for you. What rules your thought life? Disappointment or devotion? Your circumstances or your creator? Will you live as a foreigner in this world or conform to the culture around you? Sometimes God's people live under oppressive governments, rulers, or authorities. You might not have felt that because you live in the United States, but it's happening right now around the world and it's happened throughout history. Could happen to you someday. We're called to be devoted to God regardless of those circumstances. Be faithful to him and take our stand when necessary. He might even call us to be a servant to our enemies, our oppressors, pagans, to create an opportunity for their salvation. So those are our six F's this morning. Isn't that fun and fantastic? Fabulous. It is indeed. <laughs> so we're reflecting, we're considering the outcome of the life of Daniel. Man, there's so much good stuff in here. I threw a lot at you today. I hope you won't only just consider it. Hopefully it's not just an inspirational moment or a challenging question, but I want you to take something with you and put it into practice in your life. Maybe you were struck by something about friendships about prayer, about work, or about your devotion to God. Latch on to one. Implement it in your life. Make a change. And then I really want to hear how it goes. I would love for one of you to come back to me, or many of you it would be even better to come back and go, hey, here's how I said yes to God based on the life of Daniel, and here's the amazing thing that the Lord did through it. Bless you this morning. It's great to be with you.